Hey everybody, welcome to another episode of The Remnant Call. I am glad you're here with me tonight. The devil's been trying to derail this program, but may God be glorious and triumphant, and may this program be delivered unhindered by the foul spirits of the enemies, uh, deep and dark palaces that are invading all around this world right now. Let's pray against that. Father, in Jesus' name, we come against, by the authority of Jesus, all the evil that would stand against this show, that it may run cleanly tonight. We have asked it in the name above every name, and that is the name of Jesus, and believe by his blood that this show will be protected, Lord. Thank you. In his name we pray. Amen. Folks, this is a serious program tonight, I know, because the devil's been trying to derail it already. It's not a long episode, but it is a real episode, and when I say real, I mean it is for right now. You've heard the past, you've heard the warnings, and it is important to understand what happens to a nation, to a people, when God allows the enemies to overrun their borders. Folks, you see that happening right now in our country with the crisis at the border, But even more importantly, the borders of our hearts, the borders of the church, the borders of those of us who are part of Israel. And listen, folks, if you don't understand you're a part of Israel, then please reread Romans chapter 11. Whether you're Jew or Gentile, if you've been grafted in or you are natural, you are a part of Israel. You need to understand who you are in the family of God. And when you understand that and you understand that you belong, you will understand the promises of God brand new and it will bless your heart. If that troubles you, you, I'm sorry, you might want to listen to another show. But for me, I've been grafted in. I have no idea the history of my blood, whether I'm natural or not, don't care. It's not my blood. It is his blood. And by his blood, I have been grafted in. But folks, not to get down this rabbit trail, but to understand that the borders of our lives are in jeopardy right now. The cracks in the armor are in jeopardy right now. If you're a pastor preaching out loudly against this stuff, you may end up in jail just as we talked about the Pastor Coates up in in Canada and other people like that, simply in nations that we were supposed to have free speech, now you cannot speak against the machine anymore because the borders of God's church have been broken into and infiltrated by the enemy. The devil has been attending church in America for quite a while right now, and he has had his way in this church. And I'll tell you, folks, it's time for us to understand what is happening. The enemies have been allowed to infiltrate not only our land, but our lives. It is important that we know and understand this. And if we know and understand it, we will be able to make adequate adjustments in our lives to defend against this. It's not our own defense. It is the Lord's defense, but he expects us as believers to step up our games in moments like these. You know, you see the attacks on our Second Amendment. You see the attacks on the homosexuality, the transgenderism, all these things coming at us, trying to teach our children, all these things. We are living in such mass confusion right now now that even those who are staunch believers for near for years are now questioning their ways because the woke crowd has infiltrated the social media they've infiltrated everything and when you continually to look at these things over and over again you will begin to let down your guard and that which you knew was wrong you will now begin to accept because the enemies of God have now overtaken some of the churches and, and his children's borders because they have allowed and let in cracks in them they have allowed 
breaches to be made, and it's time we reshore those up again. And if we do, God is there to help us, but if we continue to follow down this path, he will reward us with the fruit of our thoughts, as it says in the book of Jeremiah, and he will give us that which is our desire, this instant gratification that we desire so much in the United States, and unfortunately, because we're so used to it, it is poured over into our own spiritual lives, and when God doesn't give us an answer right away, we are angry and mad, and we can't understand why God hasn't answered our prayers, because we are used to getting everything instantly, but to seek God and to actually have to labor in prayer and to seek Him with all of our heart in anguish, we don't like that because it's not what we've been used to. We enjoy this pampered age, and folks, I'm telling you, it is time to quit. What is going on right now is so ungodly, so unbiblical, and it will continue to escalate. Folks, there is no revival coming in America to the country. I didn't say there won't be revival among God's people. I said to the country, because you can't continue to kill so many babies and so much adultery and homosexuality and everything else, and expect there to be a revival when the majority of pastors are silent in our churches. But I want to speak a little bit tonight from the God, the Word of God, uh, a few things, starting in First Peter chapter 4, if you have it and you want to turn there and follow with me, First Peter chapter 4, and I'm just going to start in verse 7. This is what it says, but the end of all things is at hand. Be ye therefore sober and watch unto prayer. And so Peter, by the inspiration of the Holy Ghost of the living God, is saying, listen, we're at, the end of all things is here. This is for those of you that are in the end of time. Listen, this is what I need you to pay attention. You need to be sober and you need to watch into prayer. Now, I know there are those, uh, the Bible says we can drink wine and all those things. Folks, I've talked about this in programs past about how the biblical, the water was, uh, the wine was diluted back in ancient times uh, by four to, I think it was a 10 part dilution. I have to relook that back up again. And, and so God's people weren't just to sit around and drink pure, unadulterated wine. That's why Paul said that drink a little wine for that often infirmities because he knew that the cisterns made you sick and so they would use wine to, take the sickness, the uh, the bacterias out of it. But Solomon also says, don't look on the wine when it is red, undiluted, the strong drink. Now, there was a time in the Old Testament where strong drink was permitted at a particular time, and I don't want to go into that right now, but being a drunkard is absolutely unpermittable in the Bible. It's not permittable, and we need to listen. In the last days, we need to be sober and watch unto prayer. That's the way Peter starts this off here. Down in verse 12, this is what it says, Beloved, think it not strange concerning the fiery trial, which is to try you as though some strange thing has happened to you, but rejoice inasmuch as ye are partakers of Christ's sufferings, that when the glory shall be revealed, ye may be glad also with exceeding joy. So he says, listen, you need to be sober in the last times, and don't be surprised at the fiery trials that are going to try the very people of God. This is in a serious time, and serious trials are coming, and they are trials in order for God to strengthen his people. It's in the word of God to establish us, it says in Second Peter, because we know the devil's like a roaring lion, but after you've been tempted for a while, you know, tried, the Bible says that that will actually strengthen you and establish you in your faith so that you will be able to handle the things that are happening. But here's the end of that 
chapter uh, that I wanted to really look at for a second here, First uh, Peter chapter 4, and starting in verse 17, this is what it says, for the time is come, the judgment must begin at the house of God, and if it first begin at us, what shall the end of them that obey not the gospel of God? And if the righteous scarcely be saved, where shall the ungodly and the sinner appear? Now, this is interesting because we are looking right now currently at the judgment on America. We know judgment is coming. We know that there will be a strike upon the United States. We know that Babylon will fall. Remember uh, Demetri Dudeman's prophecy about the internal uh, revolution that will come on, the, uh, an eternal civil war almost. That lines right up with scripture. Nation shall rise against nation. That actually doesn't mean country. That means ethnos, ethnic groups, racial hatred, all these things. There will be within. And then Russia and China attack. If you look at the battle in Ezekiel 38, you notice that there is an attack on Israel, but there's also attack at the same time on the land of those with unwalled villages that are at ease. Well, there are walls and things over in Israel, but not here in the United States. If you look at it, it's a dual attack. I'm not going to go down that path right now. What I'm talking about is we need to understand, we keep looking for judgment coming on America, forgetting that God is going to start judgment in his own house. Now, that's serious, and it takes us back to a story that we need to understand. But before that story, I want you to remember what the Lord said in Ephesians 5, 27. He talks about coming back for a glorious church, not having spot or wrinkle. We need to remember that. God is not coming back for a backslidden, half-hearted, so-called church claiming that I'm saved, but living like the world and doing whatever they want. Jesus said, if you love me, keep my commandments. He didn't say, if you love me, live like the devil. He said, if you love me, keep my commandments. That is the whole problem. That is what is believed to be the doctrine of the Nicolaitans, this licentiousness, like you have a license to sin and do whatever you want because of grace. You can live however. Folks, that is the biggest lie from the very pit of hell. Paul says, do not deceive yourself. These people shall not enter the kingdom of heaven, drunkards and revelers and all these things. He says, quit thinking and saying that it's okay to live like that because it is not. It is not. And I am serious because we are living in a serious time and judgment will start first at the house of the Lord. And that brings me back to John chapter two. If you want to turn there, remembering John chapter two, you know this story well. I want to pick it up there and read it from John. And then I want to pick up and read a little bit more of the same uh, over in Matthew. Uh, and we're talking about the cleansing of the temple. Now, a lot of people don't realize that happened twice. Um, but John chapter two, verse 12 through 17 says this. After this, he went down to Capernaum, he and his mother and his brethren and his disciples. And they continued there not many days. And the Jews Passover was at hand and Jesus went up to Jerusalem. Now you got to remember, this is a time of the Passover. Okay, people are coming from all over the place to gather together. It's a serious time, but it's also a time to see those you haven't seen for a while. God designed us, do you know that, to fellowship? God designed us to be together. Those holy days were not only about worship and prophecy and things that were to come, but they were also about us getting together. God designed us. We're social creatures, I believe, by nature because we're a family, and God designed us to be together. So here's Jesus at the time of the Passover. 
coming up to Jerusalem, ready to worship, see some people, maybe from his childhood, maybe from his hometown. I don't know, but he's there. It should be a time of worship, a time to revel in the good things of God. Remember how they were delivered out of the hand of Egypt and begin to see the glimpses of what was to come soon with the death of the Messiah. And so it says in verse 14, and found in the temple those that sold oxen and sheep and doves and the changers of money sitting. And when he had made a scourge of small cords, he drove them out of the temple and the sheep and the oxen and poured out the money changers and overthrew the tables. So here God's people are coming to worship. And there are those that are bringing, they haven't been to the temple in a while. They're bringing their offering. They're bringing their tithe up to the Lord. And and there's some of those, you got to remember, people are agricultural, primarily farmers. And maybe they want to change in some some exact money. And from what I understand back then, they primarily uh, received the half shekel. And so maybe their land that they came from doesn't have the same money. Maybe they wanted to do a change of that or, or, or what it might be. And, and I'm not saying any of that stuff's wrong, but they had moved that business into the very temple of God. And now... Not only they moved it in, but instead of people wanting to be there to maybe help God's people to have a really good worship, to be fair and honest, hey, listen, hey, here you go. You've got a, you've got a, um, a, a lamb right there, or you've got a, a goat. Okay. It's worth exactly this amount of money, or you've got this shit. Let me change it for something even so that your worship can be well and you can have a good time knowing that everything is taken care of. And, and instead of doing that, they decided to make it a place to where they could rip the very people of God off and turn what is holy worship into absolute merchandising. Sounds like the churches today, doesn't it? Where the money and the dollar and the merchandise becomes greater than the actual word of God and the worship of God. You trust, listen, listen to a lot of the programs out there on the internet, even the Watchman thing, everything's about, I want to sell this book and sell this. And tell, Listen, folks, there's great books. I'm not against uh, books out there and everything, but there are people that only thing they want to talk about is what they're selling because it's a marketing racketeer and they are there to worship and God desires the worship and Jesus has enough of it. Sees it and he makes a scourge of small cords and he drives them out and he turns over the money. I mean, he this is not some little nice thing, but the Lord is ripping through this place. And it said unto them, <clears throat> and he said unto them, the sold doves, take these things hence. May not my father's house be an house of merchandise. And the disciples remember that it was written, The zeal of thine house hath eaten me up. And when Jesus saw that his father's house was being desecrated, the zeal and the passion for his Lord had eaten, his Father in heaven had eaten him up to where holy violence had came over the Lord. And I'm talking holy war. We have a program on the Remnant Call, if you go back, called Holy War. There is war in the Bible that was considered holy. And Jesus is filled with this holy rage and anger because his house, Father's house, is being desecrated. And I want to pick up and read a little later on in, in Matthew chapter 21. It says this, and Jesus went into the temple of God and cast out all them that sold and bought in the temple and overthrew the tables of the money changers and the seats of them that sold doves and said unto them, it is written, my house shall be called a house of prayer, but you have made it in a den of thieves." So here Jesus comes in and he, he speaks, you know, he's, he's expanding. It's not just only a house of merchandise though. God's house is called a house of prayer. It is a place where the Lord can meet with his people and they can prayer and commune with their God. 
And so Jesus gets in there and he just casts them out, rips this stuff out, lets go of the dust. I mean, he goes crazy in there. And when he's done, listen to what happens in verse 14. And the blind and the lame came to him in the temple and he healed them. Oh my. You see, when Jesus got rid of the garbage, the filth, the things that weren't supposed to be there in the temple, then the true ministry could finally begin. And the interesting thing was, when the Pharisees saw it, when those who are ruling, the chief priests and the scribes saw the wonderful things that he did in verse 15, it says, and the children crying in the temple and saying, Hosanna, the son of David, it says that they were sore disappointed. Pleased, folks, the leadership in many places don't like to see you doing the things of God. So if you get criticized, if you're called holier than now, if you people make fun of you, folks, they know they did it to God's people. They did it to Jesus. They'll do it to us, but it doesn't give us an excuse to back off from our worship. So here they are. Here you are. Think about this. So often we go to church or we go to a fellowship or we don't do, maybe you're just sitting alone and and I'm sorry for those of you who have nobody to fellowship with. Listen, we all go through desert times in our lives and trust me, it can feel lonely, but you have the Lord and you have the spirit of the living God and God will at times send people to worship and to be there with you. And so don't give up, even though you might be in a season right now where you're alone. Believe me, God has people just keep seeking him. It's okay to say, God, you know, I'd like to have people to fellowship with. Paul loved to see Timothy and Titus. He wanted to worship with people and folks, it's okay to have a season, but don't give up. God has people that you can worship with. And so here you are. So often we're praying, God, please change me. Make me more like you, Lord. Help me to be a better person. God, do in me that which I can't do. That's what we go to worship the Lord for. We cry out. We say, God, please, I'm here to worship. Lord, I need you. I need your blessing, Lord. I need your help. And so often we cry out to God and we ask him to, to come and answer these prayers. And the Lord, folks, he's faithful. He's faithful. And he comes down and he sees his children and he sees them there coming to worship. And when he looks around, he notices that the houses are filthy and full of merchandise and the world. And we so often we pray and we ask God to do these things. And all of a sudden we notice in our lives that things begin to go south and things begin to take a wrong turn in our lives and things begin to fall off the path and things begin to fall completely apart. And we sit there and we've been praying this for years. God, please change us. Please help us. Please do something different in me, Lord. I want to improve my prayer life. And then all of a sudden everything goes wrong and we get upset and angry and saying, God, why don't you care? And here God is looking and he sees the money changers in your own life and he begins to flip over the tables. And so often, instead of us saying, thank you, Lord, for the crisis that I'm in, because now all of a sudden I am praying more and seeking you more, we get upset with God because we don't like our lives to be disturbed, yet to disturb, but so often we prayed and said, God, please change me and make a difference in my life. And the Lord comes down and your life falls completely apart. And everything goes south. 
And you're wondering, Lord, what's happening to me? And folks, just maybe, maybe, maybe your heavenly father is beginning to flip over the money changers in your own heart and in your own lives. God loves us. Which one of you that are parents? Which one of you has a brother or sister that you love or a family member? Which one of you parents would see your children going off of a cliff and you knew if the only way that you could save that child was to take a car and hit them at 90 miles an hour and T-bone them right in the side of the car to save them from going off the cliff and dying? Yes, there's going to be some injuries. Yes, they may be in the hospital. Yes, they're going to hurt. They may break a leg, maybe even be in a wheelchair. But you would do whatever it took to save your child's life, wouldn't you? Wouldn't you? Why would you think that your heavenly father is any different? Why would you think that he wouldn't do the exact same thing? We are living here in the last days. We are living in the end time that God says judgment is going to begin first in his house. And right now, so many people are struggling. They're hurting. They're wondering what's going on. They're, they're, they're wondering why everything seems to be going bad in their life. And I'm telling you, folks, it's time for us to learn how to worship in crisis. To learn how to worship when it's not going well. You know, I've had my times where I've been going through some hardship, and I've gotten into the pity parties, and I know my wife has come by and said, you are the head of this house. You need to remember to praise God, even when you don't feel like it. I thank God for my wife who has reminded me at times, even when I have preached it and I've gotten in the situations, I've gotten down on myself because God wants and loves us. And you know what? Every time I go through these crises, I come out a better person on the other side. I don't like it. I don't enjoy it. But your heavenly father knows what's best for you and he knows what's best for me. And folks, the prosperity of this world is not worth missing out on his kingdom. Judgment starts first at the house of the Lord. Listen, it does. Listen, what's going on in this country right now is horrible. It is terrible. It is deadly. It is wicked. It is evil. These are the last days. It will get worse. No doubt about it. But if you don't square your own life up, if you don't get serious, if you don't allow God to turn over the money changers in your own life, you're fooling yourself in your end-time preparations. You can go out and ba- build yourself a, a, a doomsday prep bunker. You can dig it 100 feet underground, have 10 years worth of food. You don't have Jesus. You're going to simply live underground, and you're going to end up in a lake of fire because you thought that your preparations could deliver you. And you know that if you've lo- you've been here listening to the Remnant Call, we are, I am totally uh, for preparations. There's nothing wrong with it. But it only took three days out of Egypt before they started crying to go back. And your preparations will not sustain you. Only the preparations by the Spirit of the living God. I believe that the Lord will guide us in these last days himself.
I believe the Lord will lead himself. He already is, but I believe he will give us the instructions that we need when it's time to leave, when it's time to stay, what we are to do. But if we don't get in tune with him now, we are deceiving ourselves. Folks, I'm preaching at myself. I'm talking to myself. I found a sermon that I'd preached back in 2010 at a church. I forgot about it. I didn't have any notes on. I keep lots of notes of all my stuff throughout the years. I didn't have anything on it. So I got it and I started listening to it. I don't like hearing my own self speak. It's not something I find pleasurable. But I started listening to it while I was driving home. And as I began to listen, I got so convicted. Because I realized I was simply telling the congregation, what I wanted somebody to tell me. Folks, God loves us. He cares for us. He cares too much to allow us just to wreck our lives at this last day. Folks, it is true. Our best life is ahead of us. But it's not in this earthly kingdom. It's in the heavenly kingdom with our heavenly father when we will be eating from the tree of life. But in the meantime, there is going to be hardship, but it's nothing to fear because the same God that was with the three men in the fiery furnace is the same God that's with us now. And when you're in your trial of your life, And everything's going wrong, but you're seeking the Lord and somebody sees what's going on wrong in your life, but they see your relationship with God. They will understand that the one who was in the furnace is the same one that walks with you and your life will become a testimony. I, Folks, I'm telling you right now, those of you who've been through hardship, you have a story to tell. Those of us who have been through hard things, we have a story to tell how God was faithful even when we felt like we couldn't make it. He stayed with us and he never gave up and he promised to do that even to the very end your God loves you but he is coming to cleanse his temple that's us our bodies are a temple of the living God and he cares for us because he can't stand to see the idolatry of this world living in his children's hearts and he will do whatever it takes to save us thank you father this is the time for you to make a change i would rather you never listen to another episode of the remnant call and seek the lord with a fiery intensity than to listen to every program going forward I would rather you turn this radio off, turn off YouTube and never listen again. If that was what meant that you would make a change in your life. Folks, listening to this program means nothing compared to your salvation. Listening to this show means nothing compared to you being in his kingdom. That's what truly matters. If I could do anything to guarantee every family member I ever had anywhere would be saved, folks, we would all do it. Because being in the kingdom is more important than any riches on this earth. 
I don't know about you, but I'm looking forward to this thing being over. And it won't be too much longer. And we'll be sitting around the sea of glass, folks. And we'll be having a remnant call episode like no episode. You know why? Because my guest that day is going to be the Lord himself. And I'm going to get out of his way. When I hear our heavenly father sing that is spoken about in the book of Zephaniah, I can only imagine what joy will fill my heart to hear my heavenly father rejoice and sing. And the Bible says that he is singing right now over those that are gathered together for the solemn assembly because the reproach of this world was a burden unto them. What he was saying was God sees people who share his heart and understand the reproach of this world, the sin, and they're so broken that they are seeking him in solemn assemblies. They're seeking him with fasting and prayer. They're seeking him because just like our father, they hate to see it and they're willing to do whatever it takes just to reach one more soul. This is the hour. I beg of you, make a change now. This is Brother Frank on the Remnants call saying to everybody, good night and shalom. Blow a trumpet in Zion.